Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Everybody, welcome to the T3 Fit Scoliosis Podcast. On today's episode, we have Meredith Martin. Uh, you might also know her as Bionic Ballerina on Instagram. She is here to tell her story about scoliosis and being fused and what she is doing now and how she is working with her limitations. Meredith, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me on. Can you tell us how old you were when you were diagnosed and what it has been like with your journey up until the present time? Yeah, it's been quite a journey. (laughs) Um, I was diagnosed when I was 10, I believe I was in fifth grade. And um, when I was first diagnosed, it was just a little 19 degree curve. um, And the doctors gave me the typical, let's just wait and see what happens. And um, I, hit my big growth spurt and basically grew into my curve and it shot up to 68 degrees in about six months. Um, So we went from just wait and see to holy crap, you really need surgery basically overnight. Um, And I've been a ballerina since I was four. So I just, I've never been able to let go of dancing. It's my favorite thing. And I've made a career out of it now. And when I was diagnosed, I just was like, okay, well, I'm going to keep dancing. I'm just going to see what happens and do what I can and push my body and just see. So uh, my parents didn't want to make the surgery decision for me um, as a 13-year-old. So they were like, okay, let's get a brace and you can keep dancing and you make the decision when you want to have surgery. So I'm super grateful that they were so supportive and like, let me make my own choice. Yeah. And so I had a spine core brace. So it was one of the more flexible ones with like the bands. Mm -hmm. And um, I know some people have like the really hard, the Boston brace and other ones like that. Um, So I had a spine core brace and I could still dance in it. So I was wearing it in ballet class growing up. And eventually I kind of switched into jazz and tap and musical theater versus ballet. And I ended up majoring in musical theater in college. Um, cause all of that movement was a little bit more conducive for my spine and just the way that my body moves. So, um, I made it all the way up to, I was in college and we were doing Oklahoma and I got cast as dream Lori for the dream ballet, the big 14 minute ballet sequence. And it was probably like the best experience that I got to have. It was like a dream role. And, um, but the problem was doing that every day for two weeks straight, I could not handle the pain afterward. Like I had a routine every day where I had to like lay down and stretch and use a heating pad and a whole thing just in order to be able to get through those 14 minutes. So after I got to that point, I was 21 when this happened. Um, I decided that it was time to look at surgery after that 
um, dance experience just because I was in so much pain and I knew that if I wanted to have any kind of career or really any kind of mobility and stamina in the future, I was going to have to have a surgical option. And um, so we scheduled my surgery for the following year, 2015, and uh, I was 21 when I went in and I have 24 screws and two rods now. And I went from when they went in, it had uh, the curve was up to 73 degrees and um, three of my three of my uh, vertebrae had already fused themselves together. And so that's why I still I mean, you've seen my back. Uh, yeah. It's still not completely flat. So right. I still have like a little bit of the rib hump and they managed to get my curve down to about 30 degrees. Okay. But I mean, it's still, you know, there's certain things that they couldn't do just because my spine had gone in and basically like started fusing itself together. Right. So, um, yeah, I had surgery and the, I didn't dance for six months after that, uh, which was really, really hard. And luckily I was cleared and I just started stretching and seeing what my body could do, seeing what it felt like. Um, and I had to basically relearn where my center is for turns because compensating so much and being so off your natural center um, mm -hmm. was really, really different once they put the rods in. So that took a while to kind of get back, get used to, I would say probably a full year before I was kind of back to normal. Okay. Um, and, but I mean, after I healed, the pain level is just incredible. Like I do not have half or even 75% of the pain that I had before the surgery. So it's absolutely been worth it. So when did your pain start? Was it when you started dancing in the 14 minutes in Oklahoma or did you have pain prior to that? I had pain prior to that, but it was manageable. Okay. So it was, it was after a long day of walking or running or a long day of dance, I would be like, oh man, my back really hurts. I'm gonna go lay down and have an ice pack and I was fine the next day. Whereas once I got to the dream ballet, I had no choice. I mean, there were some rehearsals where I came home and I couldn't really walk well because it just hurt so badly. Mm -hmm. So it was really starting to affect like my quality of life. And I knew that at a certain point, the older I got, the harder it would be to have surgery and the harder it would be to change anything. So and then when they did the surgery, they found out that you were no longer, you no longer had a 60 plus degree curve. You were now at 73, you said? 73, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so that was where it topped out. <laughs> and that happened, you were originally diagnosed when you were 10 and then it skyrocketed within six months and then it stayed at that number of, in the 60s and then- yeah. It stayed in the 60s. So we it really only progressed about five or six degrees over about almost a 10 year period. Okay. And I do attribute that to to the um, brace and the, I was doing Shroth exercises and mm -hmm. stuff. I know a lot of scoliosis people have heard of those. Uh, a lot of the breathing exercises and just dancing in general, a lot of, some of the doctors were saying that I shouldn't be dancing and that I shouldn't, you know, that it was going to make it worse. But at the end of the day, I always say that that is what has saved my body because I didn't lose any flexibility. I still have a lot of movement despite, even after the fusion, I still mm -hmm. have a lot of movement. My rib cage still is movable. And I just, it's, it's been a huge game changer. And I know, I mean, you're a personal trainer, like, yeah. you know, how much, you know, movement, movement. affects our bodies. Was, yeah. I was going to say movement is essential, not just for our bodies, but for our minds. Yes, absolutely. Right. And so it was just, yeah, it's definitely a game changer. And then they, 
they didn't think that you, the orthopedics, you said they didn't think that you should dance or that you should move. And it took about six months for you to recover, but then you were cleared and you were able to dance. Yeah. So I was able to just start. So the first six months they were like, absolutely no dancing. Do not do anything crazy. And, um, so I listened and I did what I, I did. A, I did a few like little things here and there, but it was all very, very like not spinal based movement. Okay. So, um, yeah, I was cleared at about six months that I was able to like jump and run and, you know, go back to being a little bit more active. And then really it was just up to me to kind of figure out what my body could do. There weren't really any restrictions necessarily. Okay. Um, and honestly, one of my, one of my problems with this surgery and the way that they handle it is that there is no physical therapy afterward. And that I just think is so mind blowing because I feel like we need that so badly because your body has habits. Like you, just because you get two rods and 24 screws doesn't mean that those habits have disappeared and gone yeah. away. Sometimes and physical therapy can be like walking in the hallway. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and but that's life. That's not. Yeah. I mean, that's not, and that's not something that you necessarily need to relearn how to do. For me, the biggest problem is picking things up off the ground. I have had to retrain myself how to pick stuff up off of the ground because the way my fusion is puts so much pressure on my hamstrings. Every time, mm -hmm. if I bend over without bending my knees, there's so much pressure. I've tweaked my hamstrings so many times okay. and it took me so long to learn, Meredith, you have to like bend your knees to pick something up, yeah. you know? Yeah. But I mean, it would have been nice if somebody could have worked with me and told me that before I had to figure it out three years in. So, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think that there's a whole other conversation within the physical therapy post-surgery because I think that insurance also plays absolutely a huge role in it and based on where you are and what you have and also based on what states we're in. Where did you have your surgery? I was in Georgia. Okay, okay. Yeah. So like, you know, like smaller towns don't have you know, some of the possibilities that New York City might have, for instance, even right. though my physical therapy was walking down a hall. <laughs> yeah, that's not, like you said, nobody taught me how to bend at the time. Yeah. Um, but so, okay, so how old were you when you had the surgery? I was 21. Okay. And I'm going to ask you now, how old are you now? I'm 27. <laughs> and and what, what has occurred between 21 and 27? How has life changed? Yeah, that's a really good question. Aside um, from COVID. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. That's a whole different podcast conversation. <laughs> but, but before you answer that, I just want to jump on something because you mentioned it. And right now we have the Olympics going on and we have Simone Biles, who we all know what's going on with her. And she talks about this, uh, you know, when you spin. Uh, mm -hmm. In the ballet world, we called it spotting, right? Yes. And, and you get, and you get the dizzy, well, I can't remember what they're called, but like, it's the same thing in ballet where you have to spot and right. everything gets thrown off center. And I think it's a really interesting point about what you said before of like realigning, you know, you had to realign yeah. your body on how to move. And then you have this spotting going on. And it's, I find it so interesting because like I said, it's coming up now with Simone Biles and she's really taking full advantage of exploring that and explaining it to the world yes, yes. And, not many people understand like no. the nuance of turns and flips and everything right. else like your whole body is involved in that it's right. not just right. the 
and 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 the rotation of the lat and the last thing is like staying forward and then whipping your head around to follow through and then right. you have to and then you're moving doing that and you're like wait a minute where am i going <laughs> which you know which yes, uh it's which, all related yes but on to um what has happened between 21 and 26 yes so i have attributed my my journey in New York to this surgery, because I don't think that I would have been able to move to New York City and survive in New York City with the walking and the stairs and the subway and living in a fifth floor walk up and like carrying your groceries up every single day and everything about New York City is so physical, like physically demanding. And um, I truly do not think I would have been able to survive that city without this surgery because though I don't have as much pain, I have so much more stamina, I have more energy throughout the day and I don't have to think about, you know, maintaining my ribcage in a certain way and trying so hard and thinking about it all the time, you know, to compensate for mm -hmm. the curve that used to be there. So that's been a huge blessing is that it's consistently... I just don't think about the pain or don't have as much pain as in the same way that I used to. Now, that being said, I do also do a lot of maintenance things as well. I see a chiropractor very regularly. I see a massage therapist at least once a month. And cause I do have a lot of tension in my um, lats. Okay. That's where I pretty much carry all of the tension now. Okay. And um, after like a long day on my feet, I will have lower back pain, but again, it's, it's just nothing like it was before. Okay. So in my mind, it's very manageable. And, um, I don't know. I just, my quality of life has absolutely gone up. And I think that my success as a performer today is directly related to the surgery. Okay. So. And I, and I want to ask you about your time in New York because you and I met when you were here. Yeah, and and we met, and uh, one of the times we met was at um, a fundraiser, and you were on stilts, and uh, yes. I was in awe. And I know that you <laughs> did a lot of work here, standing on stilts, and I don't know how you did that, <laughs> but but could you share a little bit? about that with us about what that was like I mean you just said that you had to do a lot of prep since surgery but how was it standing on stilts for hours at a time yeah um it's one of those things that it kind of the opportunity fell in my lap and I was like you know I'm really not doing anything else I've never tried it it doesn't look too it, it's not like you know you're trying to do a backbend or anything like that so I was like you know I should be able to do this it should be fine um and in all honesty, stilt walking really is not too hard on the spine. It's it's the same as standing on the ground, but it's just a little bit magnified because your feet are locked in and, you know, you are, there's like basically weights tied to your legs. So you're having to work out your legs a little bit more. Okay. Um, so I would get the same pain as if I'd been standing for like on the ground for a long day, like in my lower back and my hips. Um, it does put a lot of pressure on your hips as well, because you're using your hip flexors to pick your feet up more than like, you know, you would have right. wearing tennis shoes. Right. So um, that's really the only difference I would say. Okay. Um, and I mean, I did have worries. I mean, anybody would have worries about falling when they're on stilts. Um, so there's, you know, worries of like, what happens if I fall? But um, I, you know, I was trained to fall a certain way and, okay. you know, 
a lot of things like that. So there's definitely safety precautions and um, yeah, I think that it was just, you know, it was so, a fun time. I loved it. <laughs> so you do have to go through training in order to learn how to walk, walk and fall on the stilts. Right. Yes. So okay. like you learn how to fall safely. You learn how to get up and stay up. You learn how to, I mean, I learned how to like step touch and do some little dance moves and, you know, fun little things like that. So. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of terrified of heights. So I would just like <laughs> never, never take that challenge on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. It's a good time. I just love the, the dazzling people. I like to dazzle people because whenever you walk in, you know, yeah. as a giant, people are like, wow. Well, so. well, on the day that we met, you did it well and you did it beautifully all in green. Thank green. you. Yes. Yes. But I had to rub my scoliosis colors. <laughs> uh, straightforward foundation. Yep. It's like back to healing, I think. That's it. Yeah. It's, yeah. They rebranded. So, okay. So you did that while you were in New York and then COVID happened and right. tell us about that. Yeah, uh, COVID happened and I lost pretty much all of my work overnight <laughs> um, because working with events and large groups of people, obviously my job is the first one to go. So um, I came home to Atlanta uh, and I've been staying with my family. I lived with my parents for about a year and then I have networked enough and had some money saved up. So I decided just to get an apartment down here and kind of lay low for a little bit till we kind of see how New York shakes out. Um, Cause you know, everything has changed as we were talking about earlier. So yeah. it's, I, I'm not ready to kind of jump on the New York train again just yet. So I've been fortunate enough to network with some entertainment companies down here and have some really, really great opportunities uh, in Atlanta. So I'm happy to be doing some of that work again. Um, and I'm just kind of taking it day by day. Okay. But you recently got certified to teach dance. I did. Yeah. I got certified to teach ballroom dance. So nice. again, yes, I'm so, and it's something that I've always wanted to do too. I've loved ballroom dance for such a long time and um, I had such a wonderful time and the people that I got to work with were fantastic. I got great training. Um, unfortunately, just given the situation with COVID, the business is kind of slow right now. So it wasn't making me as much money as I was hoping for. Um, so it's, you know, it's hard to market partner dancing in a pandemic. <laughs> so yeah, I am still certified and that is still something that I plan on doing. We'd love to do more of in the future, but given the new Delta variant and other things with masks and everything else, it's hard to make that a uh, viable income source right now. And, okay. and when you were teaching dance, when you were teaching ballroom dance, how was that? I mean, that's also, again, being on your feet for a long period of time. So how did that impact your body? And this time you're then where, I mean, you're not wearing stilts, but you're still wearing heels. Right. Absolutely. Um, the heels do get to me after a while. That is one shoe that I will feel it in my lower back and it will just start moving up either side of my spine. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just, my biggest thing is a heating pad. I live with a heating pad. I live for a heating pad. It's just, I live <laughs> on it. It's fantastic. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think it was, ballroom dance was interesting because it was unlike any other dance that I've 
like learned or taught before, mm -hmm. um, in that you are in a partnership. And so your arms are very, very involved. And so obviously that puts a lot of pressure into your neck, into your traps, into your shoulder blades, everything else. So mm -hmm. I feel like it was difficult in the beginning because those are muscles that I use kind of while working out. Um, mm -hmm. I should use them more, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was sore for a while in the beginning, just get like building those muscles up and getting used to using them in a ballroom frame. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was, it definitely puts some pressure on and, um, I don't know, but again, in my mind, it's all manageable. And I feel like once you've been through this surgery, your pain tolerance is just kind of like superhuman. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot for me to be like, oh, that was awful. Like, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'm like, mm, it was okay. I could, yeah. I could do that again. <laughs> it's like once you've had the surgery, just turning on your side and sitting up feels like you are literally carrying a boulder on your back. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And, <laughs> and getting past that. And then you're like, okay, I'm good. Yep. Exactly. Once I've like, you know, warmed up, moved around a little bit, I'm like, yeah. okay, we're good. But yeah. Getting through that in the morning is, it's a little stiff. A yeah. Little, uh, well, I, it, it's, I mean, I wish that we could all say that we had your story of, you know, support and, and what your parents gave you of the freedom to make the decision at such a young age. I mean, it's, I, that's something I think that I've probably never heard before. Um, and it's, it's such empowerment. It's really, it's such empowerment. Um, if you were talking to somebody who ha who is in your shoes, if you were talking to a younger Meredith and she was mm -hmm. just diagnosed, what is something that you would say to her? Oh my gosh, <laughs> so many things. Um, wow, I, I would probably have a really good talk about mental health, especially if I got to talk to her many times to going throughout this in the beginning, because it's such a hard thing to go through as a young girl and growing up um, with this deformity, I guess we'll call it. Um, quotes, yeah. yeah, it's, and I hate using that word because it has such a negative connotation, but at the same time, I mean, you, be, you learn to become so strong despite this, um, but it is very, very difficult mentally as a girl. And especially in this society now where we have Instagram and all of these highlight reels of these beautiful girls and girls that have you know they, they're the ideal sense of beauty and these filters and everything else I cannot imagine having to go through this now in 2021 because it would be even harder than it was when I was yeah. you know young 2007 yeah. or however old I was <laughs> um nothing's nothing's hidden nothing's hidden exactly and but everything is also a little bit fake and we have to take a step back and realize that you know those filters aren't real and it's okay that you look different it's okay that you don't match this standard of beauty you don't have to and you're not you shouldn't be expected to and you shouldn't put that on yourself as such a young person um and yeah I I would have a long talk about mental health because I think that's another part of the scoliosis diagnosis that we don't talk about enough. So how long did it take you to get over that? Did you have some of those challenges when you were diagnosed and then Absolutely. leading up to it? Okay. Yeah, and, and, um, and how did you deal with it? I, 
Oh, that's hard. Um, <laughs> I honestly still feel like I was dealing with the mental struggle of not believing I was beautiful, not believing I was worthy, not believing that I was, you know, measuring up to other girls up until I had the surgery, honestly, up until I was 21, 22. And I think that finally getting to New York City and being validated by my professional work and being validated by getting some roles and landing some photo shoots. And finally, I finally started to believe that that it wasn't that the scoliosis isn't who I am. It's just a part of who I am. And that's, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful part of who I am. And I've learned to embrace that and make it a big part of my story because I know that there's so many other girls out there who are going through this and who can't believe right now that it's a good thing yeah, and that it can be a good thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, unfortunately for me, it did take some, some outside validation for me to kind of start having that internal monologue with myself of, you know, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this can be your power instead of it being a bad thing. Right. And then so, maybe you were chosen for a reason. Absolutely. That's a huge thing. And I am a Christian too. And I fully believe that God does everything for a reason and that he gave me this battle um, because I'm strong enough to handle it. Yeah. And because I can be a role model for other girls. And that's all I want is to be able to positively impact other young girls that are having the same struggle. Yeah. And to change the, uh, the stigma. Yep. Change the stigma, change the narrative, change everything about how we handle this. Right. We're just curved. We're curved and we're curved differently, but we're still beautiful. Exactly. So absolutely. I have one more question for you. Um, yeah. And I kind of already asked this, but if you were, if you were to, uh, you've met that one little, you've met the younger Meredith mm -hmm. and, and you've spoken to her and now you have the adult Meredith who meets the little Meredith's mm -hmm. what, what would be different there? What do you mean? Like me? what do you mean would be like if if so if if little meredith came up to you and said hey i see your back what's wrong with it oh okay um how, i mean i would be honest what okay. no i was gonna say how how would it make you feel what would right. you say yeah and what I would you take away from that yeah i would I would say that I would be honest and tell her, you know, I have scoliosis and my spine is curved and I got to have a big surgery where I got, you know, screws and rods put in and I would put a very positive spin on it that this is something that makes me stronger and this is something that has made me, you know, a fighter and I'm really proud of this scar that I have because it's made me who I am today and I that's how I would explain that because I actually have had a few people come up and be like what's you know what's wrong with your back or what's that scar on your back and then I have to explain it but it's I've always found myself putting it in a positive light because it is it is a positive thing that's happened and it's brought fantastic people like you into my life and you know so many people on Instagram too that I've gotten to communicate with and help yeah. them you know, or even their daughters I've had moms reach out and be like my daughter's going through this do you have any advice? And it's always, everything about this has turned into such a positive experience. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. 
that's that's the uh, the empowerment of social media. That's the the plus of social media. Yes, absolutely. It is absolutely a double edged sword yeah. if you use it the right way. <laughs> agreed, agreed. And Meredith, if, I'm just going to end on this. If somebody wants to find you on social media to reach out to you to once again come to you and say my child has scoliosis, or yeah. they want to do a dance lesson, anything, absolutely, anything's possible. Where is the best place that they can find you? Yes, uh, my Instagram is at bionic underscore Barina. And then I also have my email uh, address listed in that bio if you go to my account on Instagram. Okay. So um, you can send me an email, you can send me a direct message on Instagram, and I am always open to talking with new people. Cool. Meredith, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. <laughs> If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.